Without any consultation with the members, Halibu First Nation is in the process of entering into a Memorandum of Understanding with Marathon Gould Corporation, whose proposed Mammoth Mine in Newfoundland threatens caribou migratory routes. I'm Glenn Wheeler, and this is Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land, and water. Thank you for supporting Mi'kmaq Matters through Patreon or email funds transfer. Well, all you The decision to make a deal with Marathon was made last month at the meeting of Chief and Council, the second from which members are barred, supposedly for COVID reasons. In an announcement on June 5th, Two weeks after the meeting, Halibu announced that it would appoint a committee of council and senior staff to have what they call focused discussions with Marathon on environmental stewardship and economic opportunities. We asked the band what were the terms of reference for this committee and whether there were any plans for member consultation. We received no response. But Monique Carroll, the band's director of education and training, is on the committee and the key objective is to get Marathon to undertake to hire Halibu members. But what about environmental stewardship? Sources tell Mi'kmaq Matters that Halibu has set a September deadline to sign a deal with Marathon. That would put the announcement at just the same time as the release of Marathon's environmental impact statement on the mine. From a public relations point of view, that would be perfect timing for Marathon. A deal with a First Nation would be a great counter to the information Marathon will release on the eco-impact of a 200-square-kilometer mine development site. Plans to enter into an agreement with Marathon come without any involvement by Halibu members or any transparency from the band about its discussions with the corporation. Marathon reps appeared at one meeting of council on January 25th of this year. There was no advance notice to members that Marathon would be giving a presentation. Only nine people were in the visitor's gallery that day. There was a further discussion at the council meeting on March 23rd, from which members were barred. This is what the minutes see about the exchange at that meeting. It says, Councillors discussed Marathon Gold and revealed that the company struck more gold in the same area. Band manager Keith Golding indicated he has been in contact with representatives from the company, and they have indicated there will be employment opportunities for our members, and Halibu is ready to negotiate. Chief Mitchell indicated that a committee should be initiated to conduct negotiations with Halibu. By the way, band manager Keith Golding is also president of the Greater Cornerbrook Board of Trade. Maybe we'll get back to that on a future episode. So for Halibu, the only issue seems to be how many members it can get into those high-paying mine jobs. It has shown no interest in the environmental fallout from a massive operation that will operate 24-7 for 10 years. Halibu seems unable or unwilling to lead the conversation we need to have. Are the 400-plus jobs, most of them for equipment operator, worth the potential impact on water and wildlife. And what are the special obligations we have as Mi'kmaq people 
to protect the land and water. That's the conversation we're starting this week, right here on Mi'kmaq Matters. Things are about to heat up on the Valentine Lake story. A spokesperson at the Federal Impact Assessment Agency tells Mi'kmaq Matters he expects an announcement in the next month regarding participant funding for groups and individuals who want to intervene in the environmental review process. Among those who are eligible are those who want to bring forward community knowledge or Indigenous traditional knowledge relevant to the review or want to provide expert information from a wildlife biologist, for example. There's also funding for those who have an interest in the project impact on traditional Indigenous lands. But Marathon is already busy promoting the economic benefits of the project and minimizing potential ecological aspects. Last month, Marathon took to social media and to local TV in Central to give an overview of the project and of the review process. Mary Hatherley, Manager of Stakeholder Engagement, played up Marathon's work with Halibu and Miobigeg. As we've done with communities and environmental and non-governmental organizations, such as CPAWS and the Nature Conservancy, we're working with the two Indigenous groups to establish an engagement approach. How much information would you like to receive? In what form would you like to receive? Are you interested in establishing a more uh, intensive relationship with Halibut? We're, we're doing this because we need, as a result both of the federal legislation, uh, the Canadian Environmental Impacts, uh, Canadian Environmental Assessment Act 2012, and as well because it's the right thing to do, we're working with Indigenous groups to assess the potential impacts of the project, both positive and negative, upon their health and socioeconomic conditions, their physical and cultural heritage, and their current use of land and resources. The EIS will incorporate the information that we gain through our engagement efforts with Indigenous groups, and as well, we will work with the Indigenous groups to to acquire Indigenous knowledge, and that will as well inform our assessment of potential effects. You would not know, listening to Mary Hatherley, that Marathon's involvement with Halibu has only been with Chief, Council, and a few staff, fewer than 20 people out of 22,000 members. But Halibu has given Marathon something extremely valuable, a veneer of consultation and a picture for the public that the largest First Nation in the province is on site with this controversial project. All very good for Marathon. But where does it leave Halibu? How much leverage on ecological protection will it lose by entering into a backroom deal with Marathon? From what we know about its intended timelines, Halibu will be signing an agreement with Marathon before it even sees the environmental impact statement. Therefore, even before it knows what the impact will be on caribou, the very creature from whom Halibu gets its name. Caribou are already a species at risk, and in recent years, they've had to deal with a new predator on the scene, one not native to the island, 
the coyote. Now comes another threat to caribou. The 200 square kilometer development zone will obstruct migratory routes and mine activities create high noise levels that will be very stressful for caribou, especially during calving season. During its online presentation, Tara Oak, Manarthon's Manager of Environmental Assessment, described possible impact on caribou. So, caribou. Um, basically, the caribou vac is caribou and their habitat, so pretty straightforward there. Uh, there's been a lot of field work on this, um, placing and analyzing trail cameras. Um, there's helicopter surveys. There's also, uh, we're working closely with the Wildlife Division of Newfoundland um, to get all kinds of data from them, um, caller data, so actual movements um, and, and various reports. So the project, yeah, so as Jamie mentioned, um, some of the tweaks we already did to, to the project design actually helped to minimize uh, impact on caribou migration. Um, so, so caribou migrate through the project area, uh, so it's possible that the presence um, and infrastructure there could disrupt this migra migration path. Um, and therefore affecting also habitat suitability and quantity within the project area generally. And if caribou avoid the project area, this could lead them to um, need to use less, less optimal habitats um, and increase their energy requirements, therefore, to do so, uh, and potentially predation rates, therefore, um, and just overall success um, for them. So uh, we're exploring possible mitigation measures for these. Um, the, you know, this is a very important, uh, very important component um, of the project and a very important um, VEC. So this is getting a lot of attention um, in terms of assessing and identifying uh, mitigation and working with wildlife division to do so. So uh, potentially implementing restricted activity periods um, to avoid noise and activities at key times. So there will be some form of this um, that we're working on figuring out what makes sense. So that could be, for example, temporary shutdown um, or reduction of activity in certain areas during migration periods specifically. Uh, also facilitating crossing of roads and features. So when you have, you know, a whole ton of snow, as, as uh, was the case this past winter, of course, and if you're road clearing, get very big snow banks that result in actual blocks for, for migration or for travel through. Um, so putting, you know, breaks in the snow banks at appropriate distances along roads, as well as um, ditching. So for water management, um, there's, there's ditches to convey water where you want it to go and away from where you don't want it to go. Uh, but some of these ditches might be an impediment for crossing. So, so installing some crossing points along those. Uh, as well as potentially diverting caribou away from the, the hull road and the open pits um, and exploring various ways in which that could be done, uh, such as snow fencing and berms. But will fencing and cuts through snowbanks be enough to keep caribou from coming to harm? How much of his operations is Marathon willing to shut down? And for how long to avoid the noise that is so disruptive to the life cycle of caribou? Is Marathon willing to shut down for a third of the year? Which is what biologist Brian McLaren told Mi'kmaq Matters earlier this year 
is what would be needed. And, and, and you know, sound is the issue. That, that's what they're afraid of. And keeping those sound levels low uh, and uh, obviously allowing development to occur. I'm not against development, but uh, you would put those higher sound levels into less sensitive times of the year, for example, in the winter or, for example, in the summer. So caribou are much more at ease in those seasons. It's the migratory period, as you point out. It's also the calving period and the pre-calving period. So, you know, Ontario has restrictions there. And so what you'd want to do is you'd want to have frequent enough monitoring of sound and you'd want frequent enough monitoring of what the caribou are doing around the footprint of the mine. And if you see situations where sound levels are high, where the caribou are, you know, further than their typical migration routes, you, you don't want to really just say, oh, well, you know, they're making their way around because as they're doing that, they're experiencing stress. So what you really want to do is say to the developer, we can go ahead, but not during those sensitive times. And so you, you have a monitoring system in place to tell the company exactly what those sensitive times are and how the caribou are responding week to week. Hmm. And what, uh, how many weeks a year would that be, the, the calving and the the migrating season? Well, let me try to remember this again. I haven't been in Newfoundland for 50, uh, 50, more than 15 years now, 20-some 20, 20 years. Um, I think it's, uh, uh, you'd be looking at, you know, early May, I think I'd start being concerned, and uh, uh, then calves would start to drop in early June. So you'd want early May to July, July 1st, and then you can consider July, August, kind of a, a, a fine time to go ahead. Um, autumn might be a little bit more sensitive, um, but you know you could still go ahead with development. And then by November, you'd want to be back to quiet time because that's the migration time. So there might be uh, anywhere from about a third of the year or more would need to be quiet time if we want to have due regard for caribou. Yeah, exactly. So where are we and what are we to do? Months before the release of its environmental impact statement, Marathon is out there singing the praises of its gold mine with Halibut Council performing Harmony Backup. Halibut cannot be counted on to insist on environmental protection. They're already too far in. So Halibut members themselves must step up. First off, we must insist that our chief and council not enter into any deals with Marathon until they've done more consultation with we the members than they've done to this point, which is almost zero. And why that rush anyway? Can't our band at least wait until we see the environmental impact statement before it gets even more in the pocket of Marathon Gold? And we need a dialogue with the people in Central. That will be a difficult conversation. For many people in Millertown and Buckins and area, the gold mine promises an end to the turnaround lifestyle where mostly men, fathers, fly back and forth to the rest of Canada and beyond. Two weeks on, one week off. That's hard on families, on husbands, wives, and children. But for Mi'kmaq people, there are other things to consider. As Mi'kmaq, we are to make decisions keeping the next seven generations in mind. The 10 years of operations of the proposed mine are less than one generation. What will our people, two or three generations from now, think of the decisions we make today? Is the risk 
for the caribou and for the seven generations worth the jobs that will disappear in 10 years. Allison Baker is the producer of Make a Mom Matters. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Support Make a Mom Matters via patreon.com forward slash Make a Mom Matters or via email transfer makeamaw.matters at gmail.com. I'm Glenn Wheeler, Namultus. No